Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. This is where a rock group purchased a headstone. ZZ Top purchased a headstone and put it there. What you're supposed to do is show up, play a Robert Johnson song. I showed up and I played their Red Hot. Right. And then you leave the pick. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. You are... Tammy Burns. Tammy Burns, have you given any thought whatsoever to what your headstone would say? Yes. Have you really? Yeah, totally. Okay, what should I... Because you're going to die before me. Yeah, it would be something funny what? like, eh, I'm not here. Should it really say, eh? Like yeah. Like E-H? Eh. Yeah. Ellipsis, I'm not I'm here. Not here. Okay. Gone, y'all. Gone, y'all. I like that a whole lot better. Capital G-O-N-E, Y hyphenate A-L-L. Gone, y'all. There you go. That's not bad at all. I kind of like that. Why do I care about headstones? Because I ran into a neat story. August 8th, 1970, Janis Joplin bought a headstone for the grave of her greatest influence, Bessie Smith, at the Mont Lawn Cemetery in Philadelphia. It seems that after Bessie Smith passed away, her grave was unmarked until Janis Joplin found that out and then went out of her way to spend the money. As a matter of fact, Janis Joplin and a woman named Juanita Green, who met Bessie Smith, not Janis Joplin, but Juanita Green, Mm -hmm. met Bessie Smith at the old Lincoln Theater in the 1930s. They pooled their money and then donated a gravestone onto which the Philadelphia Inquirer asked that it say, the greatest blues singer in the world will never stop singing Bessie Smith, 1895 to 1937. If you want to see it, it's there right now, Mount Lawn Cemetery in Philadelphia. And I thought to myself, because I knew for a fact, you and I went on sort of a Robert Johnson pilgrimage. Yes, we did. And there are three places, supposedly, that Robert Johnson is buried. Right. And at one of those places, Columbia put a statue. And at another one of those places, (laughs) another group put a statue. So that's Uh going to be our second break. But it kind of kicked it off with the idea of this woman, Bessie Smith was so popular, so wonderful, but then towards the end, dies penniless and is in an unmarked grave. Right. And Janis Joplin stepped up, along with this other woman named Juanita Green, and they put in a headstone. And I thought to myself, other than that, and the Robert Johnson one that I know about, yeah, are there any other times when a famous person who dies sort of unknown 
had another human being go ahead and pay for their headstone. No. I have multiple stories here, and they're all as wonderful as you think they are. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about headstones that were purchased for people who just couldn't afford them themselves. So I could play Janis Joplin, but look, they bought the gravestone for Bessie Smith. Yeah. So let's play one of hers. Here's Downhearted Blues on Rock School. Bessie Smith, and we're talking about rock stars, musicians, blues artists, all of that, who died and when they were buried did not have a headstone. However, somebody more present day was a fan of them, so a headstone was placed. And honestly, I didn't think there would be very many stories. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do an entire hour out of it easily. Now, Robert Johnson dies August 16th, 1938. There's the whole story about we have been, you know, you and I have been to where he played his last concert. Right. It was at Three Forks, Mississippi. And either A, a jealous husband poisoned him Mm -hmm. or a jealous father poisoned him, blah, blah, blah. He is taken to back. Baptist town, which is a small section, a little, you know, a little piece away. And he dies three days later. Yeah. There's the whole thing about it. It was uh, he died barking like a dog because he sold his soul to the devil and all that immaterial to the story. Robert Johnson dies August 16th, 1938. Where is he buried? Well, no one knows. Mm -hmm. They just simply did not keep records at that time. And furthermore, it's not like he was a member of the community. He dies as a traveling musician. Right. Had he not died, he just simply left and gone and played somewhere else the next night. Where might he buried? There are three possible places. And by the way, there is a Robert Johnson, I don't know how else to say it, pilgrimage. Uh Head up to Clarkstown, Mississippi. And there is a blues um, museum there. And they'll give you a little piece of paper that shows all these points. Right. And supposedly these are the crossroads. Now, wait. No, those over there are the crossroads. Mm-hmm. No, wait. Now, those are over there are the crossroads. We went to all of them. 
and I have pictures at myself of all of them. But to be honest, I think it's kind of yeah because I don't believe Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil. Yeah, but we were searching for the tombstone. Remember? We certainly were, and we found the three of them. The three are there's two little Zion churches and then a mass gravesite. Mm-hmm. Highway 7 in Morgan's Mississippi, Morgan City, Mississippi, Capitol Records puts up an Egyptian obelisk at a Zion church, and that's probably not it because no, it's where, not it. right, where he died, they would have had to have driven him a good piece to that uh-huh. and and blah blah blah, it probably didn't happen. But the fact still remains, go ahead and go to the YouTube old device or go to the Google and put up Capitol Records obelisk Robert Johnson. You won't miss it. I've stood there. I have pictures of myself next to it. In Greenwood, Mississippi, there is a mass grave said to contain the body. This is where a rock group purchased a headstone. ZZ Top purchased a headstone and put it there. What you are supposed to do is show up play a Robert Johnson song. I showed up and I played their Red Hot. Right. And then you leave the pick on top of the you know, the headstone. Uh-huh. And we talked to the fellow that was the, what do you call the curator. person you take, curator, right, right, of that little section. And he says, I probably pull mm, 50 picks a yep. week. Yep. So people do make pilgrimages to it. And ZZ Top out the headstone. Then there is also Greenwood at Little Zion Church. Right. A parishioner states that her husband buried Robert Johnson there. And she says he's positive it's him because he was a fan of his music and was there the night that he died. I but, buy that one. Well, see, no one believes that one. Most people believe it's the Greenwood, Mississippi, where ZZ Top put the head fo- uh, headstone because it was a mass grave. Mm-hmm. Robert Johnson was a traveling musician and had next to no money. Right. So what they did is they waited until enough people died. I know this sounds awful. Yeah. They waited till enough people died grave. and then put them all in the pauper's grave mm-hmm. and buried them under. That's probably where he is. Now, some people have said that his sister Mm. has exhumed the body and moved it to an unknown place. If they didn't know where it was to begin with, how did you know in a pauper's grave that you pulled out the right body? No, I have no idea. See what I'm getting at? Yes, indeed. But we're talking about rock stars who laid headstones. And if you go to Greenwood, Mississippi, it's not much of a headstone. It's just sort of lying on the ground. ZZ Top bought the headstone. It doesn't sit up. It doesn't have an angel on it. But it's big enough to put a pick on. So take your guitar. Play some Robert Johnson. If you're interested in playing Robert Johnson, try Stop Breaking Down Blues here on Rock School. Every time I'm walking down the street, some pretty mama's not breaking down with me. Stop breaking down. Yeah, stop breaking down. The stuff I got to bust your brains out, baby. It'll make you lose your mind. Now I can't contemplate my mind From no good woman She starts breaking down Start breaking down Please Start breaking down Start breaking down Yeah, start breaking down Still if I got a budget being that baby Woo-hoo, you make it lose your mind 
Okay, coming out of Robert Johnson, who, again, I believe every rock and roll song in some way owes its life to Robert Johnson. But we'll move along to a woman who, in in my opinion, again, the performance of rock and roll, especially the 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. all of those people owe their performance abilities to this woman, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yes, indeed. Sister Rosetta Tharp was part of the church, and she, the Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. So she, when she decided to do what, you know, because a lot of people say about Ray Charles, well, he took these songs from the church and then turned He wasn't the first to do it. Right. She was. Yes, she was. So she took these songs. And furthermore, Sister Rosetta Tharp played a guitar. Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to sound sexist, but look, I can't lay today over history. A lot of people believed that the blues and the guitar were connected. So if you played the guitar and you sang these populist songs that you based on these songs from the Pentecostal church, blatantly you were playing the devil's music. Yes. So the guitar, so the idea of taking these these melodies and such from the church, mm-hmm. it made a lot of people angry at Sister Rosetta Tharp, except those who were, quote, learning to sing rock and roll. Elvis Presley... Also, uh, Little Richard, they talk about Sister Rosetta Tharp's production, her influence, her the way she sang the, the lyrics, the fact that she growled in the <laughs> middle of what have you. Yeah. Uh, there's a song she sang called Rock Me. Uh-huh. Oh, rock me. And you think, well, that's rock me in the arms of Jesus. No. Oh, no, it wasn't. Rock because rock and roll, I mean, rock and roll is called rock and roll because it was a euphemism for sex. You just couldn't say it at the time. And Sister Rosetta Tharp did that. So she passes away. And in 2009, a fellow by the name of Bob Mertz, a writer and publisher in Pennsylvania, finds where she's buried. And he says, quote, she's right here in Pennsylvania. And nobody knew about it at all. So Bob Mertz sets up a benefit concert. And with the money from the benefit concert, they put a headstone finally on Sister Rosetta Tharp. Big in Europe, left the Pentecostal church, lots of fans. And she finally has a headstone. Should have had one from the beginning. Right. But it was because of this fellow by the name of Bob Mertz that she finally has a headstone in Philadelphia. I just couldn't believe I can. And I have more. Uh huh. I can't believe how many stories I'm finding where famous people are getting headstones. And they're poor at the end of their life. That's the really sad part. Yeah. With all of that that she did, she died penniless. My gosh. How about that? It's Sister Rosetta Tharp. Here on Rock
Hear the words that I'm saying Wash my soul with water From on high into the first break let me tell you about one that might not be such a national story but still is a wonderful story anyway in the phoenix area was a group called eddie and ernie ernie was ernie sweetwater johnson now eddie had a family eddie had support and when eddie passed away eddie was given a headstone however Ernie of Eddie and Ernie, Ernie Sweetwater Johnson, Mm -hmm. had no such thing. During their life, they had sort of a local hit that people enjoyed called Time Waits for No One. He, Ernie Johnson, when he passes away, was buried without a headstone. A music historian in Arizona by the name of John Dixon saw that this had happened, so he personally paid for the headstone and oversaw the ceremony. And also, the people who were basically in charge of Eddie and Ernie's music gave him legal ownership over Eddie and Ernie's music, even the hit Time Waits for No One. No. And the thought process was that he would preserve it. He would do something with it and wouldn't just sit on a shelf and die. Wow. How about that? That is nice that he did that. Who's listening to us here on the Rock School Radio Show? KNHS, Lafayette, Louisiana. Excellent. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Coming out of the break. Now, look, this is going to take me a minute to get there. All right. In 1997, a fellow by the name of Stephen Salter was traveling from Michigan trying to get down to the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, and he decided to visit the graves of some of his favorite blues legends. Okay, He found Muddy Waters, found Howlin' Wolf, but did not find Otis Spann, S-P-A-N-N. Now, those of you out there who do not know Otis Spann, don't feel bad. I didn't know Otis Spann. He was in Muddy Waters' band. He died of liver cancer in 1970 and was buried with nothing to mark the grave. Now, I'm going to give you a quote from Stephen Salter. 
It shocked and distressed me that someone of his stature, meaning span, would have been forgotten like that. I thought somebody needs to at least get him a tombstone. So he, Salter, decided to buy one. Now he runs the Killer Blues Headstone Project. Wow. It is a grassroots nonprofit that raises money for blues musicians whose unmarked graves are in danger of being lost and forgotten. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in seeing it, it's up online, killerblues.net. It is a 501c nonprofit that places headstones, and so far they have placed. 123. Wow. Now, it's entirely possible I'm going to come back and play a couple more that they have placed, but this is the one I want you to think about. He has placed a headstone over top of Stagger Lee. Do you know the person Stagger Lee? I do. We Did, ha- we had we had some music stag from Stagger Lee. That's right. But no, 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 no. You did not have music from Stagger Lee. You probably had music from Lloyd Price. And the song was Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. Now, most people think that the song Stagger Lee is just, you know, Stagger Lee, shot Billy. That's right. No, yes. Please don't take my life. You think that Stagger Lee's not a right, uh, not a, a real person. Ah, but yet, Stagger Lee murdered a fella named Billy Lyons on Christmas 1895. The murder reportedly was partially because Stagger Lee thought Billy Lyons stole his Stetson hat. <laughs> So if you have this unbelievably uh, famous song written about you, yes, you should have a headstone. I agree. Here's Lloyd Price, Stagger Lee, but just know that this group, KillerBlues.net, and we're going to come back to them a little later on to tell you some of the other people that they worked with, but this KillerBlues.net, a 501c, placed something on Stagger Lee because you know the name Stagger Lee. Yes, I do. But now you know the story behind the man Stagger Lee. Here you go on Rock School. The night was clear and the moon was yellow and the leaves came tumbling down. One more from this KillerBlues.net, this fellow that goes ahead and places headstones on forgotten blues artists. Once again, if you visit them at KillerBlues.net, they are indeed a 501c, which means if you wish to give money to them, anything you give is tax deductible. Have you, Tammy, ever heard of the song The Honey Dripper by Joe 
Liggins. Yes, I have. You have. I, I know, have. and I know how you've heard of it. How? I gave a speech, this was a while oh. back, about what was the first rock and roll record. Yes. And at the end, I had 10 songs set up yep. and said, look, it's in one of these 10. And the very first, and the only reason it was first, because it was uh, earliest in the timeline, mm-hmm. was Joe Liggins' The Honey Dripper. And as a matter of fact, just to give you an idea, here is 10, 20, 15 seconds of the honey drippers. So you know what I'm talking about. Boy, the honey dripper. He's a killer. The honey dripper. So sweet, hot, he's a solid old Now, the Honey Dripper, you would think, is just a nickname. And it was. It was a nickname for a person who sang so well, the Honey Dripper, get it, that it would just have women fainting in the aisles. It's just that the nickname was originally assigned to a specific person, and that person's name is Roosevelt Sykes. Roosevelt Sykes was the original Honey Dripper. He is the person Joe Liggins sang about in the Honey Dripper. And on top of that, this group, KillerBlues.net, has placed a headstone over top of his grave. Nice. There you go. All right, let's do seven days and 70 seconds. These are the rock and roll dates, July 6th all the way through July 12th. Tammy, you got Monday. Go. July 6th, 1979, the B-52 release, Rock Lobster. Rock Lobster. July 7th, 1968, the Yardbirds play their last gig in Lunton, UK, and then disband. July 8th, 1981, the Go-Go's release, Beauty and the Beat. July 9, 1955, Rock Around the Clock is the first rock tune to go to number one on the charts. July 10th, 1985, Playboy publishes naked photos of Madonna. She did them long before she was famous. Oh, who cares? Then she put out that book, Sex. You remember we got a copy of that at the radio station. I do remember. Man, that thing got passed around like bad cigarettes. Uh, July 11th, 1992, Jerry Garcia's line of neckties is released. I own them. The last place I worked, remember the GM, Pete? Yeah. He required, because I was the general manager, he says, I want you to wear a tie every day. Right. You know what? It wasn't the dumbest idea. I felt like I was in charge because I was the only one wearing a tie. Yeah, you were the man. Yeah, I was. July 12th, 1962, the Rolling Stones begin playing live at the Marquee Club. They get the gig because Long John Baldry's band can't make it that night. All right, what are we going to play? If you, again, go to this killerblues.net, they're going to show you all 100-plus headstones that they have placed. I mean, they have little pictures of them. You click on it, and it expands to a page it, and shows you the whole thing. It tells the location and everything, so you can go the to- you can do the tour? Exactly that. Cool. And what it does further is it shows you sort of in order how they placed them. One of the early ones was Calvin Fuzz Jones. He played with Muddy Waters on King B, and so I shall play you something from Muddy Waters from the album King Bee. 
here on Rock School. Coming into the second break, by the way, Calvin Fuzz Jones, mm-hmm. he is a bassist. I should have said that. The word fuzz, F-U-Z-Z, normally makes people think about the distortion on a guitar and such. Yeah. Probably should have said that. Calvin is a bassist, and it's easy to find him if you simply search Calvin Fuzz two Z's. Jones, I played it with two S's and could not find him. Why? Because I'm an idiot. He uh, he comes up pretty quick. And again, he was on Muddy Waters King B. Now, who are we talking about? There is a woman named Delia Green from Savannah, Georgia. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here's the story. Yeah. Blind Willie McTell sang a song called Little Delia, from the perspective of her killer, where he says, you love that old rounder, but you don't love me. Johnny Cash sings a song called Delia's Gone. She was low down and trifling. She was cold and mean, kind of evil, make me want to grab my submachine. What? Okay. She... Savannah's, once again, blues muse Delia Green gets a headstone 120 years after her murder. She was buried in Laurel Grove Cemetery, obviously Savannah. Here's the story behind her. Delia Green was 14 years old and was working at a Savannah house of ill repute owned by a fella named Willie West. A client of the house, Moses Cooney Houston, got a hold of Willie West's 44 caliber handgun because he went to a repair shop to pick it up for him on Christmas Eve 1900. He then comes home and tries to have his way with Delia Green. She calls him a bad name. He takes the 44 caliber gun and kills her. She dies on Christmas Day. Houston goes to jail in 1913, gets out in 1917, uh, leaves for New York City, dies 1927. Woo! That story apparently had legs in the town of Savannah, and the people of Savannah who liked blues music raised the money and put a headstone on top of her grave. Wow. 14-year-old Delia Green. Wow. I know that was a long walk, but coming out of the break, what do you say we'll play one of them? If we don't play one out of the break, we'll play one towards the end of the song, either Blind Willie McTell or Johnny Cash. Who's listening to us on the Rock School Radio Show? WWNW, New Wilmington, PA. Yep, that's where I did my first radio show. I have nothing but unbelievably good thoughts about it. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Uh. 
Coming out of the break, I said that we would play something for young 14-year-old Delia Green. Finally gets a headstone 120 years after her murder. Tammy, do you want to hear Blind Willie McTell's Little Delia, or do you want to hear Johnny Cash's Delia's Gone? Oh, Blind Willie. You got it, Blind Willie McTell. Those of you who are not catching it, go ahead, run to the YouTube device. You will easily find Johnny Cash's Delia's Gone. But here's Blind Willie McTell on Rock School. How can it be? Say you love all round her and don't love me. Now she's one more round over. Jed said to Kenny, I'm gonna tell you that you'll fact. Son, you go stay till little deal you'll come back. Now she's one more round over. All right, coming out of Blind Willie McTell, here's another name I'm gonna guess you don't know. Casey Bill Weldon. He was sometimes billed as the Hawaiian guitar wizard, and no, he didn't play the guitar in a Hawaiian fashion, meaning lying it down on your lap. He simply played with a slide guitar, which back in the 1930s was considered a Hawaiian method of playing it because of that slide, the idea that the frets are gone, and it kind of went boom up into it. That was referred to as a Hawaiian kind of playing. Well, he dies in Kansas City in 1972. If you look him up, I mean, he was prolific in the 1930s. He has a song called We Gonna Move, which has been covered by, I mean, Pickett, Ray Charles, Willie Nelson, Allman Brothers, Louis Jordan, B.B. King, Mel Tomoy, Camp Basie, bop, 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 bop. In 2013, a fellow by the name of Jim O'Neill had this publication called Living Blues Magazine, and he asked people to help. He received assistance from the Folk Alliance International, money was raised, and a headstone was finally given at the Blue Summit Cemetery, Kansas City, for Casey Bill Weldon. Fun enough, uh, Casey Bill Weldon, if you go see it, Charlie Parker is in there as well. But Charlie Parker obviously had a headstone. I say obviously, but did a headstone put there. Interestingly enough, once the headstone was placed, the Living Blues magazine announced there would be a, quote, tribute to Casey Bill Weldon this coming Tuesday at 2 o'clock at BB's Lawnside Barbecue, ladies and gentlemen. you know that's good. (laughs) Yes, I do. You know that's good. We gonna move. It's Casey Bill Weldon, the Hawaiian guitar wizard who is finally marked where he lies upon this earth here on Rock School.
Break, I'm pretty much out of artists uh, who have had a headstone placed for them. I say I'm out. However, there are many, many, many more that you can see once again at killerblues.net. It's a 501c. Make a point of going to see that. There's been over a hundred gravestones placed. Uh, however, I don't have the stories behind them. So on this last break, I just want to talk to you for the sake of argument. Uh, the idea of unmarked graves on purpose. John Belushi made the statement that he didn't want people to come and party on his grave. Really? He's somewhere in Martha's Vineyard. There is a stone, but the body is not there. Good location. Where is the body? It may not even be on Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Zappa and Roy Orbison are both supposedly buried in an unmarked grave in the same cemetery. However, I have seen pictures of Frank Zappa's grave, and it seems like there's a little plaque put on him that simply says Frank and uh, Francis, and I'm not sure what his middle name is, mm-hmm. but uh, Zappa. Uh, Roy Orbison as well. It is said that George C. Scott, Steve Jobs, Seabiscuit the Horse, uh, and now Kobe Bryant are all in unmarked graves so they don't become... Uh, what What's the word you're looking for? Worshipped. Worshipped, yeah. I was going to say martyr, but you're probably the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mozart is supposedly in St. Mark's Cemetery in Vienna. You and I went yes, to that. We, we specifically did. went to the building where Mozart wrote most of his music there mm-hmm. in Vienna. And then we happened by this cemetery and somebody told us, that's where Mozart is buried. Right. However, absolutely nobody with any intelligentsia about the idea thinks it's there. Right. They think he's in a pauper's grave somewhere and what have you. John Wayne also was in an unmarked grave. However, future family members have placed a marker since. So, again, these these people fantastic they entertained us but when they passed away they were penniless and now people are being good enough to place markers where they were now you can take a pilgrimage right that's true and i do think that's a good idea not to worship not to anything like that yeah just the idea of you know what you had an effect on my life robert johnson the same way yeah and just simply pay play respect uh i played a couple songs by robert johnson red hot is what i played dropped the pick and i drove away and i Remember the fellow was there, not to go back to an earlier story, but the fellow that was there who kept the little cemetery, uh-huh. he stood by reverently as I played yeah, and then laid the pick down and I said hi, shook his hand, the whole schmeal. Yep. How about that? So this has happened. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Tammy Burns. There you go. Class is dismissed. The mystery man came over and he said, I'm out of sight. He said for a nominal service charge I could reach Nirvana tonight. If I was ready, willing, 
a fee. He would drop all the rest of his pressing affairs and devote his attention to me. But I said, Now who you jiving with that cosmic debris? Too. And I said, 